This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And it is going to be a very busy morning today. We'll tell you about that in just a moment. But re- but I, I've got to turn to you, Jessica, because this is such a tragic story coming out of the air show. Um, I, so many people, you know, Eric ran that, uh, ran that story earlier this week and talked to a lot of pilots and the, the aficionados who, who attend this literally from all over the world. I mean, it's, it's not just a Wisconsin event. And to have it end tragically, not for just one, but for two of those pilots, uh, it's just horrible. So what do we know right now? Because they happened, both of them happened yesterday morning within hours. Yeah, so two separate crashes happened. One was right around 9 a.m. in the morning. It looks like a a plane crashed into Lake Winnebago, and both of those people that were in that plane died, including the pilot. And then hours later, another crash happened in midair. And that one we know was not actually um, an air show event. Those were people attending the event in those two uh, planes, and two of those people were Two of people in that crash were killed and two were injured. And that second one, with the it's a gyrocopter? Yeah, one was a, hyro, a helicopter and then a gyrocopter. What, what exactly is a gyrocopter? That is a great question. <laughs> I, um, and I'm, I'm trying to think just in my knowledge of <clears throat> my knowledge of of airplanes is is very small. But isn't it like a two seater thing? It's kind of open. That sort of has like a, a similar uh, propeller to what a helicopter has? I think so. Um, according to the EAA's website, the one involved was an ELA-10 Eclipse gyrocopter, specifically. Hmm. It's just so so tragic. And the, the first one, though, the one that went into the lake, that was during the actual air show that occurred? That one is... It was, I think it had been actually taking off from the Winnebago airport. Um, uh, unclear if that was actually involved in the air show. Well, you know, what's really interesting, and I and I mentioned that, is because it is such a, an international event, you literally have pilots coming from everywhere. So it, it makes, it's not just the air show going on, it's so many people who fly airplanes and uh, and obviously helicopters gyrocopters coming in and out of that airport it must almost be overwhelming to control that air traffic right and an airplane has to look 360 degrees all around it's not a roadway where you've got you know right in front of you right in your peripheral and that's not a huge airport i mean we're not talking about mitchell or o'hare we're talking about a relatively small airport that's busiest time of year is this past week yeah it it's a, a smaller airport like you said and even with good weather things bad well, things can happen if you listen to the fox world travel show colleen alsberg who who is frequently here filling in for rose gray has spent the entire week at that air show and uh we're going to have her on in about an hour and she can tell us I, I don't know if she actually witnessed if she actually witnessed those crashes but i do know she was there yesterday and maybe she can shed a little bit more light as to how something like that would have occurred but again terrible tragedy coming out of the air show and um because, uh, well, what? John McCure and Sandy were up there the other day broadcasting yes, live yep, on, on Friday. So, yeah, just I, it's heartbreaking to hear that story. But we will have more a little bit later on this morning. And I know, uh, Jess, you're keeping your eye on it as well. And if you get more details, you'll share those with us. Uh, as I said before, we've got a busy show today. And a lot of people are starting that back-to-school shopping. And there are some things you need to be aware of. So we're going to talk with our consumer expert, Michelle Reinen. Uh, also, you know, as you're getting ready for those final couple of weeks before the kids go back to school, you might be looking for things to do with the entire family. Well, we have a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious place to go. Let's see if you can figure that one out. Uh, WTMJ's Adam Roberts took a train ride, and we'll go along with him on that. Mark Cass is here. He's going to talk about that prospective buyer who walked away from Northridge Mall. And who's to blame for all that? 
Also, we're going to look back at the Week in Review. Jessica, of course, is here in the newsroom. Isaac's pushing those buttons, and in just two minutes, we have Dominic Catronio in sports. It's all ahead. Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. It's 72 degrees at 812 on WTMJ. Saturday night was all about Ronald Acuna Jr. and the Atlanta Braves as they stomped the Brewers 11-5, including a six-run bottom of the first inning against the Brewers and the Braves' former ace, Julio Tehran. But Sal Freelich did manage to catch Ronald Acuna Jr. trying to get a little greedy late in the game. First pitch to Albies is lined into right. That's going to go down for a base hit. Two hops to Freelich. Acuna going first to third. Here's Freelich's throw to third, and they got him. Oh, what a throw from Sal Freelich. And he cuts down Acuna trying to go first to third. What can't this rookie do? Lane Grindle on the call here on WTMJ. And despite the score, the defense was phenomenal, and the Brewers certainly had something to be proud of tonight. The finale of this series is today. First pitch scheduled for 1235. Our coverage begins at 11.55 a.m. with the On Deck Show. The Brewers will try to avoid the sweep before heading to our nation's capital on Monday to take on the Nationals. Major League Baseball's trade deadline comes Tuesday, 5 o'clock Central Time, and the stove is getting white hot. Max Scherzer has been traded from the New York Mets to the Texas Rangers in exchange for Ronald Acuna Jr.'s younger brother, Luis Angel. He's a shortstop prospect in the Rangers organization. Texas is also sending cash back to the Mets. And furthermore, Scherzer has now already opted into his contract for the 2024 season. The richest pitcher in baseball will be making $43.5 million in his age 40 season. But as we take a peek at the standings, things are getting tight in the NL Central. The Chicago Cubs just won their eighth consecutive game. They are now just three games back of first place in the division. The Brewers still holding a 57-48 and record. The Reds lost to the Dodgers at 57-49. and Then those Cubs at 53-51. and I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 816, and uh, we have 72 degrees. I've got your whole forecast. It's coming up right after this, along with Mark Gass. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's going to be a pretty nice day today. We're going to get up to 78 under sunny skies. Then tonight it'll be clear, down to about 62. Tomorrow looks mostly sunny. Again, 80 for a high. Same thing on Tuesday. If you like Monday, you're going to love Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday gets a little bit cloudier. We do have a chance of some showers late in the day and a high of 84 degrees. Currently, Mequon is at 67. Racine has 70. Oconomowoc, you have 67 degrees, and we have 72 degrees at WTMJ at 819. And it is time to check in with Mark Cass, editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. He's on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline. Mark, a lot of people were surprised on Friday morning when we heard that Northridge Mall's prospective buyer has walked away. What's going on? Here we go again, right? How many years have we talked about this site and nothing happening, nothing happening? So here was a potential thing from Phoenix investors who wanted to redevelop it for warehousing, have some jobs there, and had secured the site. They were unable to reach an agreement with the city and with the mayor's office, had asked for some money in terms of the forgiveness of some of the taxes on the thing and some other things there. Really tried to work with the mayor's office on this, but the mayor's office and the city really want to raise the property. They've said they want some sort of light industrial on the site to bring more jobs there. So they weren't able to reach an agreement. And so now the Frank Carvello and others have just walked away from the deal. So now the city is stuck here. They're going to have to see where to go next. They still have the raise order, which is in court, and it should be hopefully a ruling soon on it. The one issue, Libby, that's going to be interesting is that Frank Carvello and his firm had provided security on the site over the last few months. So the site had been secured. They hired a firm. There was 24-hour monitoring. He said he'll leave that there for a week, and then he's obviously not going to pay for that anymore. So then who will pay for that? The city? Will the owner of the site still? Who knows? So we had issues in 2022 there with multiple fires there, multiple other incidents there. So this is going to get interesting over the next couple of months as to, you know, what happens next. Is there anybody else out there who wants the property? Have not seen them yet. And we could end up with a site here that's going to sit open for far longer. What I don't understand is the city of Milwaukee, they had somebody who wanted it. They had somebody who had the money. Why didn't they work with them? They weren't seeing eye to eye to use. It literally has been 20 years since anything has happened there. We need something there. So this one's going to be uh, interesting to see. I know that the aldermen weren't happy. They want to see something on this site. It's sat open for so long. 
So there is a lot of controversy over this one, no doubt. All right. It was a big news week because there was another surprising story when we heard about the quick sale of the yeah. former Cardinal Stritch University. Who bought it and what did they plan to do with it? I told you that there'd be a lot of interest in this site, and there was. There was really a lot of people who looked at it. Great site in a great location up on the North Shore, but it was actually bought by the owners of Husco, the Ramirez family, well-known in the area, philanthropists, have done tremendous work. They built and opened St. Augustine School on the south side, which has been very, very successful. So that family now will own this property. They paid $24 million for it and are looking at some sort of school or educational operation on the site, similar to what they have on the south side, aimed at other students in the area. They really, and this is an amazing family. They've done some great things for our community, spent a lot of money here to really try to help education in our region. They really want to expand on the North Shore, want to offer this there. So this is an interesting site. I don't think anybody thought it would end up as one firm like this, that maybe there'll be retail office and then, then maybe some housing. But here they're looking at 100% education on the site. They had talked about whether there was a chance for office in retail, and right now they're going to look at just doing that, having a school there, and really trying to improve educational outcomes in the Milwaukee area. All right, another story you guys broke at the Milwaukee Business Journal, and that's about the plans by Ergens to sell the former M&I building on North Water Street. What are they going to build there? High-profile site right next to their new one. They built right next door and obviously right across the street from City Hall. Would you be shocked if I said housing? Probably not, right? Because what else could you put downtown other than housing? Not a lot of need right now for office space because of what's gone on over the past couple of years. So I think you'll see a mix of some sort of small retail on the first floor or two, and then you'll see housing. I mean, they're doing it right up the street at 100 East, down the street further at the Heinz Project in the Third Ward. They're doing it at the Ascent. They're doing it at Nova. There is all of a sudden this surge of housing throughout the main area of the city. I would not be surprised if there was housing on that site. There is an apartment across the street from City Hall. Maybe that's what it comes. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. This one could last a while, but I think long term you'll see some sort of housing there with some retail. We've got Mark Cass here from the Milwaukee Business Journal, and let's talk about the Brewers. They're doing well out on the field, and apparently fans in the stands are news as well. Where do they rank as far as attendance, and what's the outlook for the rest of the season? Probably not surprising, but they're kind of in the middle of the pack right now, and I think MLB overall has had a nice surge this year. I think some of the things they've done in terms of the speed of the game have helped draw in more people, but again, it's really about winning, right? So they've had a pretty good success in the first part of the story. They've seen a slight increase year over year, right about 1% averaging about 30000 a game, but I think if they continue to win and are in the playoff hunt for the year, you'll see a surge. That's what happens all the time. How many times have I told you about winning? Winning is important. So, I mean, if they continue to win and are in the race, I think you'll see that number go up. I think they're not at the level of the Cubs, the Yankees, and some of the who draw huge numbers all the time. The Brewers, though, have outperformed their market. Remember, the Brewers are one of the smallest markets in the major leagues. Well, that's just it. You mentioned New York, Chicago. Those are much bigger cities. They are. And so we've always outdrawn our size, but I think that will even increase if they're in the playoffs. People in Milwaukee love a winner. We saw that with the Bucks up in Green Bay all the time. I think the thing that's also helped the Brewers this year is they've seen groups return. Remember last year, the big thing was groups because of COVID. They weren't seeing a lot of group sales. They're seeing more of that this year and are seeing some excitement about this team. And again, winning sells seats. Let's talk about my favorite time of the year. Cream puff season! The Wisconsin State Fair is opening on Thursday. I thought you were going to say food on a stick. I thought that was your favorite No, I love that cream puff pavilion. (laughs) You talked about attendance being up with the Brewers. What about the State Fair? Do you think it's going to be up this year? And how are sponsorships doing? I think they're going to have another strong year. Last year, you saw them return to over $1 million there last year. I think you saw things returning with the Brewers and returning with Summerfest. You've seen crowds come back. You've seen these people come back. And State Fair is always so popular, and it does very well. So I would think probably going to have another strong year. Weather is a huge impact on that. If we don't have a heat wave or we don't have huge storms, I think they're going to have a very strong year. They always have a very strong lineup. They always have the farm animals. They have, they have the really good exhibits and they have food on a stick. And I know you're waiting for, what are you going to get on a stick this year? Is it going to be like mashed potatoes or you know, pickle you know, or, no, you or know what? bratwurst? I, I hope they have it again this year. The deep fried olives on a stick. That is my favorite. I'm always amazed every year what they can have on a stick. I never thought some of these things would ever be on a stick, but you know, it's obviously worked really well and things are very strong for the fair and I think they're going to have another strong year. Do you think that with the RNC in town next year that they're going to be serving food on a stick at any of their events? Because (laughs) you... Other than if it's an appetizer, right? I don't think otherwise that's going to happen. No, that's not going to be the case. But the Milwaukee Business Journal this week hosted a panel on all of this. What is the message you're hearing? It's coming, and it's coming quicker than you think. We're now under a year here, Libby, and we're starting to see some awards of some contracts. We've seen some of the largest contracts are out right now in terms of the construction of the arena, of the physical stage 
stage and stuff in the arena for the transportation for all the buses. We're starting to see these things come out. We're going to see them awarded yet in August and September. You know, all of a sudden we're going to be in the fall and you can see more contracts for insurance and graphics and all the kind of stuff they need. And all of a sudden we're going to be into 2024 and it's going to be here, right? So there is excitement starting. And the message we're hearing over and over again, and the thing we heard at our event last week was this is for Milwaukee. There's a chance for Milwaukee to make money and a chance for Milwaukee to shine. And we need to take advantage of it and we need to make sure we're involved. We need to work with each other. We need to partner with each other. They said they have 1,200 firms registered in their portal to get work from the convention. 90% of them are from the area. So there's a real chance here for Milwaukee to make a lot of money from this event and for us to have a message and to have a great showing. It's a great opportunity for the city. Is there any truth to the rumor that you're opening your place up as a and b I don't think so, but if you want to come and stay, we'll find a spot outside on the patio for you. How about that? As long as it's during the air show, because I saw your That's pictures right. on Facebook uh, of the Blue Angels, they, and boy, did you have a spot. Right our, they flew right over our condo. I could look at the guy, and I think I waved at him. He was so close. It was crazy. <laughs> and I think he waved back. Mark Cass from the Milwaukee Business Journal. It is always so much fun talking with you. Always good to be here, Libby. I'll talk to you next week. 827 at 72 degrees. Isaac, did I hear you say you want to open an Elephant ears stand at the RNC? I think it'd be brilliant. I think you're enterprising. All right. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful day today. We're going to get up to about 80 degrees under sunny skies. And welcome back to Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. As Jessica was telling you about the tragedy at the EAA yesterday with two, not one, two separate um, flight accidents and four people died. We're going to be talking with Colleen Allsberg in about a half an hour. You know Colleen from the Fox World Travel Show, um, where she's frequently there filling in for uh, Rose Gray. She has been at the EAA all week. She was at the... uh, at the grounds yesterday. So we'll see if she knows anything more about what occurred. Right now, though, at 835, there were cheeseheads who congregated in Green Bay. A judge pulled an Uno reverse on Hunter Biden. And the tax man cometh again in Milwaukee County. There was so much more. It's a Week in Review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. <laughs> An update this morning on the 18-year-old who was shot while behind the wheel overnight in Milwaukee. We now know this morning those injuries the teenager suffered after being shot are life-threatening. Green Bay Packers fans coming from near and far, all for today's annual shareholders meeting. We'll go somewhere where there's cheese. I've been a shareholder since 97, and so, you know, here with the family at home, taking care of business, a little owner's meeting to get the season going, and go Pack Go! There's probably be some ups and downs with Jordan and, you know, we've got young receivers, but we've got a lot of talent there, and I think they'll all get better and grow together. Obviously, there's a lot of responsibility um, that comes with the position. The eyes being on you, that's something that you know, I'm working on right now, just trying to block out. We're always watching. The United Nations and North Korea in talks about the return of an American soldier. Travis King, who's from Racine, fled across the heavily militarized border and into the secretive state last week. We have a number of channels through which we were able to send messages to them. We've delivered the messages to North Korea, but we have as yet not received a response. I just feel like deep down in my heart, my brother was afraid of something. We want Travis home. Right now, that's our concerns, and we, we want him to return. The Ramirez Family Foundation has purchased the former Cardinal Stritch property for $24 million. At their planned new school on the former Cardinal Stritch campus, Ramirez says they will expand their target demographic. We can also readily serve the black community in in Milwaukee and also the white community that's closer to the campus. Hunter Biden's moment of truth in a federal courtroom where a judge will decide whether to accept the plea deal that the president's son has reached with prosecutors. Not so fast, Hunter Biden's plea deal has fallen apart. Federal Judge Mary Ellen Norica aired her concerns about the deal in open court, raising questions about prosecutors' plans to set aside a felony gun charge in exchange for guilty pleas to two tax-related misdemeanors. It's a bit of an embarrassment in addition to some ambiguity now hanging over Hunter Biden and his family regarding his future criminal liability. From the WTMJ Breaking News Center, I'm Adam Roberts. We do have breaking news. The vote is in from the Milwaukee County Courthouse by 15 to 
three, the County Board of Supervisors approving a 0.4% sales tax for Milwaukee County. If we do not come up with a fiscal solution, we will go over the fiscal cliff. If this vote had gone to a popular referendum, it would have failed overwhelmingly because the folks in Milwaukee County do not want this sales tax. Given, just like the city of Milwaukee, fiscal mismanagement for the last couple decades, going back to when Tom Amont was the county executive, has been absolutely staggering. And as a result, there's really no choice. If we didn't get something in some form done, which we did here, we were in massive trouble. A former Air Force intelligence officer testified yesterday that he believes the U.S. is concealing unidentified flying objects that crashed and may even be concealing alien life forms. I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program. There's no way that they could keep this stuff a secret. If there's a book deal on the table, they're all talking. Have you ever once thought to yourself that Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas might be a spacecraft? Nope. If you make that $100 bet and Caesar's Palace before 2025 is indeed confirmed to be a spacecraft, you'll win $8,000. I'd buy that for a dollar. Nanu, nanu. Nanu, nanu. Mork from Ork. What a week, eh? What a week. Nanu, nanu. Nanu, nanu. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And the Weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. It's 839, and if you are getting ready to do that back-to-school shopping... There's something you need to know. We're going to tell you about it. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's going to be mostly sunny today. We're going to get up to about 78 degrees. Not bad at all. And no humidity either. Mainly clear tonight down to 62. Looks like tomorrow's going to be mostly sunny and a high of 80. And if you like tomorrow, you're going to love Tuesday because it's more of the same. Sunshine and 80. On Wednesday, some clouds come in with a chance of some late showers and a high of 84. Then Thursday, that's where we've got another chance of some rain, maybe even a storm, under mostly sunny skies part of the day. But then we'll see that chance of rain in a high of 85 degrees. Currently, Sheboygan has 67 degrees. Tosa, you have 69. 68 in uh, Delafield and 75 degrees at WTMJ at 843. It's hard to believe. Here we are, July, and back in the stores, I'm seeing all of the back-to-school sales. We don't want to be taken advantage of this time of the year. And joining us is Michelle Reinen, our consumer expert from DATCAP. And tell us what you're hearing at the offices and what people need to be aware of. Well, this is that time of year, as you mentioned, when people are gearing up to buy those back-to-school supplies and those schools are issuing those supply lists as well. So, We certainly will start to see the advertisements that go along with that, and we want people to be able to look for deals, whether in-store and online, and feel confident about the price that they're going to receive at the time of checkout. So we have some tips to keep people, I guess, vigilant and making sure that they are getting the price that is advertised, and if not, reporting those things to consumer protection. And if by any chance you think you're being taken advantage of, what do you need to do? You need to call Consumer Protection at 1-800-422-7128. I will say we do encourage consumers to check with the clerk, you know, show them the ad that you have and go ahead and um, ask for that lower price. And if not, elevate it to a manager or customer service. And when you don't get any satisfaction there, definitely reach out to Consumer Protection. And that was Michelle Reinen on our Tri-County Construction Hotline, 75 degrees at 844 at WTMJ. An 11-5 final doesn't tell the whole story. As the Brewers fall in Game 2 of their series in Atlanta against the Braves, now they'll try to salvage the finale on Sunday. But 11-5 could have been a whole lot worse if it wasn't for the defense, specifically that of Sal Freelich. 2-2. Fly ball, right field. Freelich on the run, going back, makes a jumping catch and tumbles onto the warning track in the process. Tagging is Riley. He comes down the line to score. But what an amazing catch by Sal Freelich, his third highlight reel catch in just a week. And he had to cover some ground to get back there and rob Darno of what would have certainly been extra bases. Lane Grindle on the call here on WTMJ. It was part of a six-run bottom of the first inning for Atlanta as they extended their league-leading record They're now up to 67 wins on the season. Meanwhile, in this game, too, Ronald Acuna Jr. got his 50th stolen base of the year 
and hit his 24th homer of the season, keeping hope alive for a 40-70 season. Craig Council on the Braves lineup. Well, look, I mean, look, the other times, the other guy is trying to beat him. He pitched, he probably got away with some mistakes in some previous games. He's not getting away with any mistakes now. Went up against a really good team tonight, really good offense tonight, and, you know, they got him. The finale is today at 11.55 a.m. for coverage. First pitch coming at 12.35. Elsewhere in baseball, big news from the Big Apple as Max Scherzer, the highest paid pitcher in baseball, has been traded to the Texas Rangers from the New York Mets. In the deal, the Rangers are sending the little brother of Ronald Acuna Jr., Luis Angel, to the Mets in addition to cash for Scherzer's salary. Furthermore, Scherzer has already opted in to his $43.5 million option for the 2024 season. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Well, guess who is on his annual baseball trip with his dad? It's Matt Miller. We're going to hear from him next. It's all coming up on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 75 degrees at 848. We're going to get up to 78 today. Time to check in on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline with media critic and pop culture editor at OddMilwaukee.com, Matt Miller. And Matt, you are out on that annual baseball trip with your dad, the inimitable Gene Miller. And before we talk about anything, i got to find out, how many parks have you visited and, and, and what's next on the road trip? Yeah, so right now I'm... I'm Broadcasting live from around Battle Creek, Michigan right now. Uh, This year's uh, location was uh, Detroit and minor league teams around Michigan. So we saw the Detroit Tigers in Comerica Park. We saw Shoei Otane with one of the greatest days in baseball history. Just kind of stumbled into that one. And then we saw the West Michigan Whitecaps and the Great Lakes Loons uh, in terms of minor league baseball. There's actually a team called the Great Lakes Loons. (laughs) <laughs> yes, well, that's just only that. That's that's not even the goofiest name. We have seen the Biloxi Shuckers in our time, <laughs> and the West Michigan Whitecaps rebranded uh, to become the Grand Rapids Dam Breakers, and we're wearing uniforms designed to look like they were wearing waders, like water waders, uh, and they looked very convincing. You thought that they were playing baseball in rubber waders. It was uh, it was quite the show. <laughs> can only imagine what's well, and and you know i know this is your last trip with your dad as a single man <laughs> well I've, I've, i that is true i but i've been i've been engaged, i've been with my my lovely fiance for for several years now so i've been i've been taken uh <laughs> if not single. but yes uh the the baseball trip should continue on well into the future too we have many more parks yet to see As a matter of fact a, a key part of the baseball trip tradition is planning next year's trip while on the current baseball trip so we already got some ideas for next year already and uh yeah we still haven't done places like new york and i know san francisco apparently their ballpark is routinely judged as one of the best in the bit in all of the bit major league baseball so would love to get out there yeah i think we're going to be doing this until uh until either the the earth blows up or one of us dies well before we before we talk about movies and things i gotta ask you Best thing you've eaten at a ballpark this trip? Ooh, best thing. We, uh, I did have this thing called a Kingdom Bowl last night at uh, the West Michigan Whitecaps game. That was it was uh, mac and cheese, pulled pork, uh, fried jalapenos, uh, cheese sauce on top of the mac and cheese. Uh, it was very tasty, and my heart hated me for it, but it was delicious. I was going to say, did you get any sleep last night after those jalapenos? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm slowly dying. Uh, my <laughs> cholesterol is at ratings uh, I would not like to discuss. Uh, well, you, you, you can eat healthily when you get back. All right, let's talk a little exactly. bit. Let's talk a little bit about movies. This is week two of Barbenheimer. Is it still as hot as it was last weekend? In fact, it, it not I wouldn't say it's hotter, but this weekend was the highest grossing final weekend of July in history. No. That is what is, I am not kidding you. Uh, it is one of the highest grossing weekends in July history. One of the highest grossing weekends at the end of July. Normally, 
this is when the summer's kind of dying down. This is when they start kind of throwing out their curveballs, the studios. And now you've got a second weekend of people really loving this Barbenheimer combination. And again, it's, it's wild. This is a Barbie movie that I think if it wasn't for the stars attached, if it wasn't for the creatives attached, would people be this excited for a Barbie movie? I cannot, I, I can assure you, no. And then people still showing up for a three hour long R rated dark and bleak biopic about a world war two scientist with no action in it whatsoever that movie is going to make more money than the Mission Impossible movie that came out this summer and probably more money than Indiana Jones. It's, it's been a wild end to the summer, and I think if there is storm clouds on the horizon, it's that because the, the strikes are still going on, the studios are starting to push movies back because their stars can't do promotions. And it's a bummer that, you know, people are going back to theaters. People are, you know, seeing trailers for movies coming up, getting excited, really enjoying going to the theaters again. And now the studios and, and all of the strike stuff is making people be like, oh, okay, I guess I have to wait for new movies again. It's, it's a disappointing result uh, for what should be a very exciting moment for theaters well, and the you, industry. You mentioned that Indiana Jones film. I mean, it was like here for a weekend and almost gone. What did they gross? I mean, did they make any money doing that one? I think they made about $170 million oh. here in the U.S. And I think a little over 300 worldwide, which... You know, you hear those numbers, those are very large numbers, but that movie cost $300 million to make, and that's normally with Hollywood math, if you want to know how much, if you're starting to break even, you have to multiply that by two. So that movie needed to make at least about $600 million to make some money back, Ooh. and it's not even close to that. So, yeah, as it turns out, even older Indiana Jones was not the selling point they wanted. And older Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible wasn't as hot as I think he expected it to be either. Yeah, I think there was a hope that, you know, Top Gun Maverick was such a sensation last summer that obviously people are going to be so excited for whatever Tom Cruise does next. And the last Mission Impossible movie was great, uh, but it, that didn't translate. And I, the secret to Mission Impossible has always been kind of coming out the last week of July and kind of just riding as the final blockbuster of the summer and just making money on that and coasting on that. And this year they kind of mixed up their release dates a little bit and came out right by, right before Barbenheimer. Uh, so it kind of got crushed and you know, it's, it's, it's not even being discussed and that's the part one. And that's another movie that was very expensive to make. I, I'm sure they're still going to make part two. You're not going to tell Tom Cruise. No, uh, just ask the stunt coordinators on his <laughs> movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they're probably going to be asking, you know, can we spend the kind of money we spent on this one on the next one? Okay, so that's four big movies this summer that, you know, a lot of people went to see them, even if, they, even if those others weren't as hot as Barbenheimer. Still, they pulled people in. Is there anything to look forward to at this point, or are the movies for the summer pretty much done and over? We've got some interesting stuff in August. August is kind of one of those months that the industry hates because there's no big tent poles. But I am excited by it because this is when you get the weird stuff. This is when you get stuff like The Meg 2, which is the giant shark movie sequel. Uh, the first Meg movie was very disappointing, I thought. I needed more Meg action. And it looks like this movie is tripling down on Meg. Meg Meg's going crazy. So I'm very excited about that. Seems like there's going to be a giant octopus involved, too. Sounds like just great late summer ridiculousness. But are, any of, them on, but are any of them on cocaine? That is the question. Maybe there will be a cocaine shark involved. Yeah. I mean, that I might go co see. Co cocaine plus animal equals a hit movie. So, mm. yeah. Or maybe we'll throw a different drug in the Maybe it'll be a meth shark. Who knows? You know, that's actually more creative than a cocaine shark is a meth shark. All right, so so aside from that, anything that people might actually want to go see? Uh, the, we have the Gran Turismo movie that is coming out, the racing movie, F1, very popular right now. Uh, that one's getting a little bit delayed because of the strike, but it looks like they're still going to move forward with it. And I have to say, I did not grow up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but the animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie coming out next weekend actually looks really fun. It's uh, produced by Seth Rogen. It's got the kind of Spider-Verse animation style that looks really unique, that looks 
kind of look like really hand drawn, like your scribbles in a notebook come to life. I'm I'm actually quite excited for that one too. And again, I didn't. I was a Power Rangers kid. I was not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kid. So I'm kind of excited for that one too. There's there's some hope that August could build off of the Barbenheimer momentum. Even even despite the studio's best efforts. Well, I think it's nice that people are finally going back into the movie theaters. And hopefully, Matt, once you get done with the baseball trip, you'll go in and see, well, see some of these films. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I've already, I've already set aside several nights uh, to catch up on what I've missed. I, <laughs> the new horror movie, Talk to Me, is supposed to be very exciting. So I, I'm very excited to check that out. Uh, but first, I've got to get a get a lot of this all this ballpark food probably rest that off a little bit <laughs> yeah i i think you know alka seltzer is the key word for the week uh listen Matt yeah, me, Miller. Me, and, me and pep yeah <laughs> me and pepto bismol are about to become great friends matt miller it is always great to hear from you and we will talk again next week Thanks for having me. It's 8.59, and coming up after the news, well, the news, obviously, Jessica Gasso is going to have more on what happened at the EEA yesterday with two separate fatal crashes of of um, a helicopter and a gyrocopter. But also, we're going to hear from Colleen Allsberg, who was there yesterday, right after the news. It's all coming up on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And welcome back to Hour 2. Uh, Jessica, stay here because joining us on our Tri-County Hotline is Colleen Allsberg. And Colleen, I know you are on your way to your for your trip to Alaska. And of course, you know Colleen from the Foxville Travel Show with Rose Gray. Um, but you also have spent the entire week at the EAA. And you were there yesterday when these two uh, very tragic crashes took place. Can you give us a little bit more details as to what exactly went went on and 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 how how big is that area for people who have never been there? Uh, good morning, Libby. Uh, you know, EAA is huge. It's uh, several miles long um, on the grounds itself. And what happened yesterday was so tragic, and there's not a lot of details yet. Um, the one that crashed in Lake Winnebago was a T6 trainer which is a warbird, and, I, and I'm, I'm very uh, passionate about the warbirds. That's where I volunteer for the whole week. And uh, we, we can't really speculate what happened. The pilot was a very um, good pilot. She was from Texas. She was taking uh, a friend for a ride. Uh, her husband was also a pilot, but he wasn't on board. And uh, so we really can't really speculate what happened right there at that point. And then the other incident was at the uh, south end of, EAA itself of the Air Venture Ground, and it was a, a situation where it was two private uh, helicopters, basically. One was a gyrocopter and one was a helicopter that uh, crashed into each other. One fell 100 feet, and that's where the loss of lives were from that large, you know, that large fall. Uh, okay, so we're, I, I, I want to back up, first of all, to the Warbird. What exactly is a Warbird? Uh, Warbird is any type of military aircraft uh, from the time, World War I all the way to current times. So uh, I, I'm very passionate about the World War II um, aircraft, which T-6 is. It's uh, the, the people that bring those planes into Warbirds are, you know, they have a passion to keep this history alive. And the T-6 trainers were built in the 40s uh, to train pilots for um, larger aircraft for the war. And that's uh, what went down in Lake Winnebago. So it's, it's a, an older aircraft that was meticulously, you know, brought back to life so they could share the history. Um, and that's uh, that's a huge part of EAA is the Warbirds of America. It's a keep them flying um, situation where we want to keep the history alive. Uh, so that's, that's what I do, and I love it there. Can, can you describe what that Warbird looks like? I mean, are we talking about just a, a pilot with a passenger in the back? Is it a smaller plane? No, it's actually a pretty large plane. It's a very boxy-looking loud, great-sounding engines. It's got a canopy that's quite long, a glass canopy. So the pilot sits in the front, and then the passenger would be in the back. Uh, so it, it's, it's a big plane. It, it, was this prior to their performing or afterwards? What, what was the situation? Do you know? 
Uh, it was prior, and I'm not even sure if they were performing itself, but uh, I know that uh, when I'm listening and when I live in Oshkosh, so I hear planes all day long, every minute of the day for the whole week. And then when it gets quiet, that scares me because something went down because there it got eerie, eerily quiet at one point and you knew something happened uh, because they shut down the airspace completely to investigate. And that this happened before, so I'm not... Not quite sure if she was flying formation with or intending to fly a part of the show, uh, but that that's kind of what the happened at that point. And that was around nine o'clock yesterday morning. Then I assume they allowed they opened the airspace again and allowed pilots up. And around twelve thirty, this second accident occurred. Now you mentioned it was a helicopter that somehow collided with a gyrocopter. If, describe what a gyrocopter is. Um, I'm not real familiar with gyrocopters, but they're kind of a man-made, um, almost like an ultralight type, um, smaller helicopter. Are most uh, of those made from kits? Yeah, they are. Uh, quite a few of them are, but um, not as familiar with that as I am with, with the Warbirds, Libby. But um, it's a smaller uh, plane or helicopter, so it's not not huge. And I'm not quite sure what type of helicopter it ran into, uh, but uh, it was a uh, it was very tragic as well. So the one gi- day we'll, yeah. yeah, obviously a helicopter would have to have clearance from the tower, but what about a gyrocopter? Is that something that also gets, are they radio equipped? Do they get clearance from the tower or does an individual who's flying a gyrocopter just sort of take off and land wherever they want? the amount of planes there, they most definitely have to have some kind of clearance. And I know there's several uh, towers at EAA, not just the main tower. So they were down on the South 40, which is very far south part of the grounds. Um, so I'm not exactly clear on to how that works, uh, but I would assume with the amount of planes there coming and going that there would have to be some kind of communication. Is it possible um, with the gyrocopter and the helicopter that someone on the ground may have been injured? Um, it's There is speculation that one of them landed on a small uh, plane. Um, I'm hearing rumors about a Mooney getting hit and that, so there were About a what being injured. Uh, okay, Colleen, uh, about a what yeah. being hit? A Mooney, which is a smaller airplane as well. So it just depends on what the location of what the crash was. Because, as you know, there's just thousands of planes there. That uh, And uh, there was also speculation that some debris hit some of the guests that were watching uh, the watching toward the flight line. Hmm. Uh, it's just tra- tragic all the way around. Uh, and, and, Colleen, I feel for you because, as you said, you live there. You know when it gets quiet that something's happened. And I would assume when this second accident occurred around 1230 yesterday, you had that same eerie feeling. It, it, yeah, to have it twice a day because they close everything down for about two hours, uh, maybe a little bit more until they can get everything, uh, all the investigations done. And uh, so it, it's just, you know, it happens and it's sad. Um, I you know, the, the thousands and thousands of planes that come in, we're just so happy that it's not as frequent as it, uh, as it, you would think it would be. Well, again, amazing, as you said, with that many pilots and, and aircraft in the area in a given time, um, that, that things like this don't happen more often. But unfortunately, it happened twice yesterday. Colleen Alsberg, uh, we always enjoy it when you're filling in on the Fox World Travel Show. And you are on your way to Alaska literally at this moment. <laughs> literally, I am driving to the Appleton Airport right now. I'm flying into Fairbanks today. And I'll be meeting 100 of our guests, and we're going to have a great 15 days in Alaska, cruising and land and the whole shebang. Uh, Well, listen, you have a very safe, pleasant trip, and we will talk to you soon. Colleen Allsberg, thank you so much for sharing what you know about uh, what happened yesterday at EAA. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much, Libby. Take care. It's 9-16. Coming up, we've got Dominic Catroni on sports right here on WTMJ. 
Saturday night was all about Ronald Acuna Jr. and the Atlanta Braves as they stomped the Brewers 11-5, including a six-run bottom of the first inning against the Brewers and the Braves' former ace, Julio Tehran. But Sal Freelich did manage to catch Ronald Acuna Jr. trying to get a little greedy late in the game. First pitch to Albies is lined into right. That's going to get down for a base hit. Two hops to Freelich. Acuna going first to third. Here's Freelich's throw to third, and they got him. Oh, what a throw from Sal Freelich. And he cuts down Acuna trying to go first to third. What can't this rookie do? Lane Grindle on the call here on WTMJ. And despite the score, the defense was phenomenal and the Brewers certainly had something to be proud of tonight. The finale of this series is today. First pitch scheduled for 12.35. Our coverage begins at 11.55 a.m. with the On Deck Show. The Brewers will try to avoid the sweep before heading to our nation's capital on Monday to take on the Nationals. Major League Baseball's trade deadline comes Tuesday, 5 o'clock Central Time, and the stove is getting white hot. Max Scherzer has been traded from the New York Mets to the Texas Rangers in exchange for Ronald Acuna Jr.'s younger brother, Luis Angel. He's a shortstop prospect in the Rangers organization. Texas is also sending cash back to the Mets. And furthermore, Scherzer has now already opted into his contract for the 2024 season. The richest pitcher in baseball will be making $43.5 million in his age 40 season. But as we take a peek at the standings, things are getting tight in the NL Central. The Chicago Cubs just won their eighth consecutive game. They are now just three games back of first place in the division. The Brewers still holding a 57 and 48 record. The Reds lost to the Dodgers at 57 and 49. Then those Cubs at 53 and 51. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 9:20. We have 75 degrees at WTMJ, and I'll have your forecast right after this. It's going to be mostly sunny today. We're going to get up to about 78 degrees and clear tonight, down to about 62. Tomorrow and Tuesday, both are sunny days with 80 for a high next chance of showers. Looks like it's coming in around Wednesday and Thursday. Right now, Port Washington has 69 degrees. Richfield's at 69. Franklin has 71. And we have 75 degrees at WTMJ at 923. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Hey, it's WTMJ's Greg Matzik, and you've heard me talking about him for over a year now. QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. I can't tell you how many emails I've received from WTMJ fans wondering about this incredible procedure and why it's popular for those who want to get back to a normal quality of life. Well, I thought who better to answer some of those questions than the general manager of QC Kinetics in Chicago and Milwaukee. It's Rob Lumpkin joining us. Hey, Rob. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'd like to start at the base here, the base level, regenerative medicine. How do you best describe it to those who are wondering about it? I would say, you know, in simple terms, we essentially take the good things out of your own bloodstream and put them to work for you into places in your joints to help repair and make your life better. Well, damaged joint tissue can lead to unwavering pain in your knees, your back, your elbows, shoulders. I mean, all sorts of things. And where can QC Kinetics provide the most support for those who are dealing with pain in those areas? I would say, you know, a story we hear every day is people coming in and and talking about how they want to be able to play with their grandkids. People are having those issues, and it really affects their, their quality of life. So what we do, it really helps, you know, promote and fix those areas and helps people get back to doing the things that they love the most with the people they love the most. Yeah, you mentioned some of your your clients are are those who want to get back to playing with their grandchildren. But I I would guess you, you likely see those who don't have grandchildren, right? Any age range, really, this could work for. All walks of life. We see people that are 35 that have sports injuries. You know, we recently helped a gentleman who is a, a hockey player, and uh, he had some he had some issues with his wrist. So we were able to help him as well as you know. I see those grandparents as well, um, but it, it's pretty much good for anyone who's having joint pain, arthritis pain. Uh, we even work on uh, plantar fasciitis. Rob, it's a common question after somebody undergoes surgery. How long before I can get back to doing X, Y, and Z, the things that I love to do? What do you typically tell patients 
who subscribe to QC Kinetics. This is a great point because the reason we're here is because people don't want to have surgery. I, I, think, I think about a gentleman who was a plumber who is, owns his own business. He, he has to go to work every day. He has to provide for his family. He can't be out for six to 12 weeks because he has surgery. And I think that's a big part of, of why people choose QC Kinetics is because you can literally just get right back to what you're normally doing. There is zero downtime. You don't have to wait six to eight weeks for it to heal because it's an ongoing process that over a six-month period will do the job that you need it to do to help fix and repair and regenerate those areas. Well, and it's non-invasive, too, which I think is a, certainly something that stands out to me. You know, that's another good point. It, it's simply shots. We're basically injecting into your joints. We're creating space, reducing inflammation, and helping repair those areas. And, yeah, a lot of people don't like shots. <laughs> I understand it, but it's an extremely quick process. So, Rob, not every patient is the same, but on average, do you see that patients come to QC Kinetics, they get the treatment that you've just described, they maybe come back a second or third time? How does it typically work with patients on average? We love to see our patients, but we don't want to see our patients have to come back unless there's a different area that they need to be treated. The good news is is that our, our stuff that we do here generally last decades and can last forever in some cases. Rob Lumpkin is the general manager of QC Kinetics in Chicago and Milwaukee, the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. I think we've all been through the traditional methods, Rob, to some degree, whether it's surgery or steroids or, or something that just sort of masks the problem or puts us on the shelf for way longer than any of us would prefer to be. And, and this really avoids all of that, QC Kinetics. It has been shown to be a long-lasting alternative to those other options that are temporary and not lasting. Well, nobody wants to go under the knife if they don't have to, so it's great to have alternative options, but it's also great to have alternative options that actually work and don't just delay ultimately having to go through surgery. Yeah, I would say the majority of our patients do feel at least 50% or better, and you know, a, a vast majority, I would say, even feel almost as much as 100%. So I think that people who are not wanting to have surgery, people that want to get back to their lives, this is an incredible opportunity and a different alternative that they can use. Rob, who are the best candidates for QC Kinetics? Who should be giving you a call? I would say pretty much anyone. It's, I w there's not one group that is, that is better than the other. It's, it's obviously completely individualized based on your own chemistry, but we're not putting any chemicals in you. We're not putting anything unnatural in you. We're using everything from your own body. So it doesn't really matter. Everyone is, is eligible to come see us if they have pain in their joints. And a second question I've received from fans and listeners is, is it safe? It, it is very safe, and there are very few side effects that would come along with doing our procedures Simply, we're using your own body's regenerative properties to help fix whatever problem you have. Search us, QC Kinetics, and you'll be able to make an appointment as well as find all the proper phone numbers for our location. Yeah, in Milwaukee, it's 414-285-3474. Give it to you again here. It's 414-285-3474. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we look forward to helping people out with our free consultations. Thanks so much. 929, we're, we're two minutes away from news on WTMJ. Welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Uh, it's 937. Well, as summer travelers hit the road in record numbers this year, there's some that choose to cross the Badger State in ways other than the freeway. WTMJ's Adam Roberts recently rode the Amtrak Empire Builder from Milwaukee to La Crosse, and here's his experience. Transit. The way we get from point A to point B. It's been in the Milwaukee news cycle a lot recently, 
Whether it's over what to do with the hop. They have had a very difficult time securing federal funding, which is where a large portion of the funding would come from to expand the hop. To the continued discussions of I-794. that, you know, we tore down a freeway and the world noticed. Or the always popular Evers expression. Fix the damn roads. No matter which way you get around, the idea that getting around quickly by any means desired is one that many would argue shouldn't be controversial. But as with anything, there are a lot of factors at play. Peter Park is the former city planner for Milwaukee who recently held the same position in Denver. He spoke at a recent 794 public forum and had a quote that stuck with me since then. If we are this country that talks about choice and freedom of choice, why would we design a city that limits the choice and dependency on one mode of travel? So, taking that concept of freedom of travel choice, I expanded it to statewide travel. On a recent trip to visit friends in La Crosse, I decided I would get there by alternative means. Amtrak's Empire Builder first served customers in 1929 as the flagship train of the Great Northern Railway. It currently operates two lines between Chicago and both Seattle and Portland, serving up to 38 stations along the way depending on the route. One of those is the Milwaukee Intermodal downtown, where I hopped on about 15 minutes behind my scheduled 4.45 departure time. Please have your tickets out and ready for the conductor to scan. Do not hop on board the train until your ticket is scanned. Got it? Yes. Yes. Only two people got it? <laughs> <laughs> We're in education. Can I get it for somebody else? Can I get it for somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, at least Amtrak employees have a sense of humor. After boarding the Superliner, I took stock of my immediate surroundings and quickly noticed a key difference between train and air travel. So we departed the intermodal station about five minutes ago. And the first thing you notice when you ride one of these trains is just how much legroom you have, even in the coach car. For reference, I'm six feet tall, and I could easily stretch my legs in front of me and still have room to spare. The extra legroom wasn't the only thing I noticed. The food and beverage situation also caught my attention. An added benefit for train travelers in Wisconsin, you can carry on any kind of drink you want. So even though this is technically a work assignment, I think I'm okay to have just one. After cracking that cold one open, though, I was quickly reminded of one of the golden rules of public transportation. The crying baby always finds you. So it seemed like a good time to make a trip to the Empire Builder's dining car. And due to Amtrak's communal seating policy, I was seated across from Kevin and Moa, a couple from Sweden making a trip to the Twin Cities. I was here as, as an exchange student. 2016. So, uh, and I got really good connections with my family uh, in, in Minnesota. So now I'm going back to visit them. During our shared meal of Amtrak's famous flat iron steak, I was offered a unique European perspective on rail travel. The biggest part that plays a role is um, the environment. We care a lot about the environment in Sweden, where I'm from. Most people say, like, yeah, I do this because uh, going with my car is bad for uh, the climate and stuff like that. And the government just pumps in money into the good, good trains and good buses and good services because they care about the climate. Does that seem like such a foreign concept to just have a vehicle and use that as your primary mode to get around? I mean, you can do, like, get where you want to go and take detours and stuff, but then you have to stay up and drive and then sleep somewhere. Speaking of sleep, after parting ways with Kevin and Moa, I headed back to my coach seat, took a quick power nap, and woke up as we rolled in to the Lacrosse Amtrak Depot. About 20 minutes delayed, but we rolled into Lacrosse about 8:30. It's about what I was expecting. So so far, I'd say we've beaten the old Amtrak delay stereotypes. Ah, oh, me and my big mouth. Coming up later, we'll detail the trip home from Lacrosse, which involved a different set of wheels. Adam Roberts, WTMJ News. 942, 75 degrees at WTMJ. An 11-5 final doesn't tell the whole story as the Brewers fall in Game 2 of their series in Atlanta against the Braves. Now they'll try to salvage the finale on Sunday. 
But 11-5 could have been a whole lot worse if it wasn't for the defense, specifically that of Sal Freelich. 2-2. Fly ball, right field. Freelich on the run, going back, makes a jumping catch, and tumbles out of the warning track in the process. Tagging is Riley. He comes down the line to score. But what an amazing catch by Sal Freelich. His third highlight reel catch in just a week. And he had to cover some ground to get back there and rob Darno of what would have certainly been extra bases. Lane Grindle on the call here on WTMJ. It was part of a six-run bottom of the first inning for Atlanta as they extended their league-leading record. They're now up to 67 wins on the season. Meanwhile, in this game, too, Ronald Acuna Jr. got his 50th stolen base of the year and hit his 24th homer of the season. Keeping hope alive for a 40-70 season? Craig Council on the Braves lineup. Well, look, I mean, look, the other times, the other guy's trying to beat him. He pitched, he probably got away with some mistakes in some previous games. He's not getting away with any mistakes now. Went up against a really good team tonight, really good offense tonight, and, you know, they got him. The finale is today at 11.55 a.m. for coverage. First pitch coming at 12.35. Elsewhere in baseball, big news from the Big Apple as Max Scherzer, the highest paid pitcher in baseball, has been traded to the Texas Rangers from the New York Mets. In the deal, the Rangers are sending the little brother of Ronald Acuna Jr., Luis Angel, to the Mets in addition to cash for Scherzer's salary. Furthermore, Scherzer has already opted in to his $43.5 million option for the 2024 season. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Coming up in just a couple minutes, the rest of Adam Roberts' train ride. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News, 948, 75 degrees. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Well, the Empire Builder Train can offer riders a comfortable alternative way to cross Wisconsin. It's not without its shortcomings. Here's Adam. In the first part of this report, I mentioned one of the rules with public transportation is that the crying baby always finds you. The second rule of public transportation is to always sign up for text alerts from whichever mode of travel you're choosing. I definitely did not regret this decision for this trip. Just 12 hours after stepping off my westbound train, my phone receives a message. Due to heat-related speed restrictions along the route, Empire Builder Train 8 and Train 28 will experience lengthy delays. Four hours later... Your train has stopped east of Haver, Montana due to a disabled freight train on the tracks ahead. Sunday at 3.34 a.m. Due to the late operation of your train, the crew has expired their hours of service and is stopped east of Glasgow, Montana. By the time we reached Sunday's scheduled 11.37 a.m. departure time, the train was delayed by over 11 hours, with a scheduled arrival time at the Milwaukee Intermodal of 1.44 a.m. Monday morning. I was able to follow a link and schedule a Coach USA bus to take me home and arrived back in Milwaukee around 8.50 p.m. Sunday night. But not everyone was so lucky. At least one passenger at the lacrosse station was denied access to the bus because he didn't know that the delay was as long as it was and did not have a ticket purchased for the Coach USA trip. It all comes back to the main question. How can a mode of transportation be delayed by almost half a day and how can it be deemed a common occurrence? Amtrak's website has its own dedicated page describing the many different reasons their trains may be delayed and indicates the primary reason is due to trains that aren't theirs on the same tracks. Usually, it's what we call freight train interference. That's when our trains are delayed by slower freight trains ahead of us. The stretch of the Empire Builders Wisconsin Rail is owned by Canadian Pacific, which did earn an A-plus grade on the Amtrak Host Railroad Report Card for 2022 but the majority of the route is operated by the Burlington Northern and Santa Fe Railway, which scored a bit lower with a B grade. But the host rail concept only tells part of the story. On that route, 
there's a lot of things that can happen. Bob Johnston is a longtime passenger rail correspondent for Trains Magazine. During the pandemic, Amtrak put a lot of its long-distance train equipment away as a cost-saving measure to save on brake inspections and rebuilds when ridership was at its lowest. Amtrak has not, despite what they say, they have not prioritized returning this equipment to service. So that means if there is no spare equipment and there's a mechanical problem, then the train can't leave the station or becomes disabled en route. Other impacts like heat stress on the rails themselves or obstructions can also delay trains. And then there's hours of service. Remember that text I said I got about the crew expiring their hours in Glasgow, Montana? Well, I got an explanation on what that means from David Allen a longtime author for the publication Railway Age. A member of the crew cannot work more than 12 hours, literally to the second from the time they report. So when you hit 12 hours, the train is dead where it stands. All of these different reasons for delays, coupled with the red tape that usually accompanies transportation, can often leave the passenger feeling powerless, especially for those in rural communities, who, for a large portion of their population, Amtrak provides a primary way to get from place to place. My message to people in these towns is the only people who can save these trains are your elected officials. Tell your story, tell them loud, tell them long, and never stop. Otherwise, you'll lose your trains. So at least for now, it seems Amtrak and the Empire Builder have a long way to go before most people will be taking the rails to cross the Badger State. Adam Roberts, WTMJ News. And for Adam's full report, you can visit WTMJ.com or text TRAIN to the old National Bank Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. It is 9.55. I'm Libby Collins. I will be back uh, after the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. We've got... uh, David and Tim here this week, because Brian's taking the week off. But uh, when I get back at 11, if you remember Jay Sorgi, who was a reporter here on WTMJ for a number of years, he has written an absolutely captivating book about the Olympic Games. He had a dream for a number of years that the Olympic Games could have been held right here in Milwaukee. And we talk about that book, and I think you're going to find it very, very interesting. And again, that's at 11 o'clock today, right before we start our Brewers coverage at 11.55. It's going to be a beautiful day today. Our temperatures are going to get up near 78 degrees, sunny Clear tonight down to 62. Looks like it's going to be sunny and 80 tomorrow and Tuesday. And our next chance of some rain comes on Wednesday and Thursday when those temperatures reach back into the mid-80s. 75 degrees right now. And coming up after the news with Jessica, she's got more on the EEA yesterday and those um, those two very, very tragic crashes on the same day. That's all coming up on the news right here on WTMJ.